Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you follow along with me, uh, beginning in verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how shall say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. Yea, are yet or ye are yet in your sins, when they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of God. It's just so exciting. It's so full of life. And we just, uh, we are the participants of uh, just uh, all that's been done on our behalf. It's just hard to even comprehend uh, your love and your sacrifice and your mercy. We can hardly even comprehend your forgiveness and and just everything you've done on our behalf it's just hard to even comprehend we we uh, we struggle we we are so human we think like humans we have a difficulty uh, just really comprehending the the mind of God and the heart of God and the love of God and so we're just so grateful that we have an opportunity to have your word. We have your Holy Spirit. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to, to be fed the word of God in a, in a way that uh, past generations haven't had that opportunity. And all the messages and all the sermons recorded and that at our fingertips all throughout the week. And so I just pray now that you would bless and encourage and strengthen our hearts Help us to be uh, encouraged today as we depart and go our, our uh, separate ways. And Father, that you would really speak to us about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and how much he loves us and how much he loves each one of us. He loves the lost. There are people that are out there that are lost and dying without Christ. They need to be saved. And I just pray that today would encourage us and strengthen us and you, uh, unify us in your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've all heard, I mean, you know, every time we think about an Easter message, I, I just can't imagine trying to come up with something new and different that some of you haven't heard. 
I mean, we've all heard just one great sermon after another. Uh, some of the greatest preachers uh, in our lifetime uh, have proclaimed the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is, uh, to be honest, it is difficult at times to think about, well, what do you actually try to say that hadn't already been said by someone else, um, hadn't been pointed out by others? So it is my policy, and I think it's actually very uh, legally correct to give credit to other people that I don't think of all these things on my own. I mean, you have, you know, uh, there's a term for it, and I think y'all know what it is. It's, it's like stealing, plagiarism, that's it, right? And uh, so I, I like to give credit. I think that's a good thing to acknowledge these men that are the students and so they've benefited others. I love to, to read John MacArthur and I love to listen to Charles, Dr. Charles Stanley. In fact, I've been in, uh, in a meeting with him in a small meeting, probably under 300 people. Uh, at the North Woods, and he was there in person, and so I really enjoyed him. And Dr. Henry Blackaby, I love his devotional books and things that he has, and uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, I'm learning to really appreciate his messages. But today especially, I would like to give special credit to Dr. Adrian Rogers. Now, do y'all remember Dr. Rogers being called the Prince of Preachers? Do y'all know why? Because he just has a way with taking words and describing things and making it come alive in a way that few really have that gift. And so he just was so good at it. You know, a, a preacher went in for a haircut. And that's um, back in the day when the haircut was 50 cents. And so he got ready to pay and the barber said to him, uh, that's okay. I'll just come uh, sit in one of your your sermons, and I'll just I'll just take credit for that. I'll just I won't charge you today, but I'll just take credit. I won't give anything to the church. He said, "Well, the preacher said, well, I don't have any fifty cent sermons." <laughs> and the barber said, "Well, that's okay. I'll just come twice." <laughs> but Dr. Adrian Rogers. Such a gifted man. And you wonder, why did he, why was he called home, I think, so soon? Well, he told, and I've told this, I think, one other time in 36 years, so maybe some of you won't say that's too repetitious. But uh, he told of the account of the um, escape artist, Harry Houdini. And uh, I actually looked this up. Harry Houdini was a Hungarian-American a stunt performer. He, he did all kinds of things. They could lock him in a jail and he could get out. They could put him in handcuffs and the handcuffs would just drop off of him. I mean, these are things that he actually did. Uh, they would sew him in a canvas bag, sew him up, and he could get out of it. They would... Uh, put him in milk cans, back those old-timey, big, large milk can, put him in there. He could slither out of that. They sealed him in a coffin and dumped him in the river. 
And he came up out of that. He just would suddenly appear. He claimed, now this was his claim. He claimed that he experimented with coming in contact with the dead. So he told his wife, he said, now when I die, I'm going to give you a code word. We're going to, I'm going to have a code for you. And what I'd like for you to do on my birthday, on my birthday, I want you to light a candle and be thinking about that code. And I'm going to communicate with you on my, on my birthday, the first birthday after my death. So <clears throat> he died. He actually died in um, October, I think it was 1926. And um, his wife waited for his birthday to come around. And so she sat there with a candle and waited and waited and waited and nothing. And so she waited till his next birthday, his second birthday after his death. And she lit the candle. She waited all night and waited and waited and waited. And nothing happened. And the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth. Finally, the tenth. She said, surely he'll communicate with me on this birthday. She waited and waited and waited and that candle flickered. And nothing you see, Harry Houdini could escape a lot of things, but one thing he couldn't escape was death. He couldn't escape the, the death that he, would, he had, he faced, he dealt with as everyone else is dealing with it. So the scripture in this text that we have before us, the scripture lays out six things that is a tragedy if there was not a resurrection. And, and the Apostle Paul lists them here. And so I thought we'd just kind of go over these a little bit, one by one, and look at them and just see if there'd been no resurrection, these are the things, this would be such a tragedy. And so the first thing is if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain. I want you to think about that with me. Our preaching is vain. You know, we kind of take a hard line on preaching. We say preaching is the priority. Preaching is the, the main thing. But if Christ is not risen, our preaching is vain. In other words, our preaching would be empty. Our preaching would be uh, a waste of time. I mean, I want you to really consider this thing that we're doing right this minute. If there's no resurrection, it would be a waste. You might as well just say, and, and it would be, if there's no resurrection, it's okay to say, why should I even attend? Why should we even try? Who cares? It's an exercise in futility. Because if there's no resurrection, then our preaching is vain. 
If Christ had not been raised, there'd be no hope. There'd be no need to preach. What, we, what would you preach? Would you just try to entertain? Would you try to, you know, capture people's imagination? What would you be trying to do if there's no resurrection? If there's no empty tomb? There's really, honestly and truly, there's no need to preach if there's no resurrection. There's no need to do this. I mean, you can have fellowship. And by the way, some people just enjoy church basically for the fellowship. But it, there would be no need. And liberal preachers, there are preachers, by the way, that really don't believe the whole word of God. They pick and choose what they want to believe. And there are some that don't even believe in the resurrection. And so they might as well quit preaching and go get a, a real job. They might as well do something else because there would be no need for preaching because it would be vain. It's, it's a waste of time. It's empty. So it's important that we understand that without the resurrection, this exercise that we're going through today would be really very, very wasteful. But you see, what we're doing is we're proclaiming who Christ is. We're claiming who he is. Look at Romans. Just flip back just a little bit to Romans 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. 1, 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. This is a declaration of who Jesus Christ really is, that he is the Son of God. And so, secondly, if there's no resurrection and Christ had not been raised from the dead, then also is our preaching is vain, but your faith, your faith, what you believe in, what you hold to, what you cling to, what you say is the basis for my life, it would be vain. It would be, who's going to put their faith in a, a dead Messiah? Who's going to put their faith in someone that didn't come back from the dead? A dead person can't save anyone. A dead person can't save the lost. The resurrection shows that he is the son of God. Confucius died and he's still dead. Buddha died, and he's still dead. Muhammad died, and he's still dead. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cruel Roman cross, and what happened to him? He came back from the dead. He walked out of that tomb because he is, Jesus is alive. Amen? A teacher gave this, an assignment to the class said, I'd like for you to write an essay on the greatest living person. So one of the students decided to write an essay on Jesus Christ. And so uh, the teacher read all the essays and looked them over well and came to that student and said, you know, your essay is good, but I said, I wanted you to write on the greatest living person. And the student said, well, Christ is alive. He is alive. 
You see, we've got to know that in our hearts, that he is alive. He is alive. This is another one here as we go down. Number three, verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. The disciples, the ones that were witnessing about the resurrection from the dead, the disciples would be false witnesses. They would be liars. And if you think about it, people lie to get out of trouble. People lie to get out of trouble. They don't lie to get into trouble. And that's exactly what happened to them. They suffered persecution because they were preaching that Jesus had been raised from the dead. So they, the scripture said, if he has not risen, then we would be false witnesses. We would be liars. Why would they lie about something that's going to cost them possibly their own life and the struggle? But why would anybody lie to get into trouble? People lie to get gain. People lie to get benefits. But the disciples had nothing to gain by lying. And so many people, you know, I read, I looked at all the different ways, that different thing, way that people have described the way the disciples died. But, you know, really, it's not as important, I don't think, how they died I think what's really important is that they would be willing to die. That they'd be willing to die for their faith. Their faith in a risen Savior. Number four, the scripture says, you would still be in your sins. Your, your faith is vain and yet in your sins. You're still in your sins. And we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's laws. But you know what? God doesn't just, you know, I, I really hate it for people that think that God just kind of turns his back or winks at sin or overlooks sin. You know, God has to deal with sin. And that's because of who he is, because of his righteousness, because of his holiness. He doesn't just overlook sin. He is holy. He's just. And he doesn't just excuse sin. There had to be a payment for sin. A payment for sin. Look at Romans chapter 4, 24 and 25. Let's look back there. Romans 4, 24 and 25. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised him, raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. If there's no resurrection, we'd still be in our sins. But you see, Jesus was raised, and that declares that we are now justified because of his resurrection. Our sins have been paid for. Our sin, if we'll just confess and we'll just admit to God and agree with God that we are sinners, that we have sinned, we have broken his law, we've broken his heart, we've disobeyed him, we've lied, we've stolen, we've done every kind of thing you might break one of his laws and you've broken them all. We're guilty of all. 
And so it's understandable that we need to understand that because he was raised from the dead, that's the, he was raised for our justification. For our justification. Number five. Then they also which have fallen asleep are perished. Death would have dominion over all of us. Death would be dominant. Death would be life. Would, there would be nothing to life. If, if death would reign and death would rule and death would control and we'd get to the end of our lives and we'd get to the very end and, and we would be on our deathbed and we'd say to ourselves, is this all there is to it? I mean, if, if, there's, if death has dominion and that's the end, then we would we'd be saying, what I thought there'd be more to life than this. There would be, is this really all? What a waste. What a waste of time. I just can't believe this is it. This is the end. People would come by your casket if it's going to be open. Some people have already decided not to have an open casket for different reasons. Our reason is I don't want people leaning in and gawking in at me. You know, I've thought about preaching my own funeral service, too. I've thought about it. You know what? I've, I've joked about that for years, but it's amazing how much closer that feels today than it did back 25 years ago. <laughs> That's when I started saying that little story. But <clears throat> anyway, but people would lean in and say, is that it? Is that all there is to life? I mean, if, if death has dominion, then it's it, in control. It's, it's, it's so futile. It's such a waste. I just can't believe it. If there's no resurrection, what is there to look forward to? What is there to look forward to? There'd be no future. And that's the sixth thing. There's, the future is futile. There's no future. Uh, I can't imagine people, and there are people that we know and people that you know that, that make statements like they'll say about a loved one that's just passed away or whatever, and they, they, the per, loved one may be a Christian and the other person not a Christian, and they, they say, I just can't believe I'm never going to see him again. And I've heard that. I mean, I've heard that in the last month. I, just, I hate that I'm never going to see them again. But you see, <clears throat> when there's no hope, when you don't believe there's any hope because there's hope in the resurrection. But when there's no resurrection, there's no hope. You say there's no future. There's nothing to look forward to. I'll never see them again. And it's, it's, it's just so confusing. It's hard. It's difficult. because and, and the lost people, they're struggling. How do they even struggle? I, I can't imagine. If someone's holding up Jesus Christ and saying, He is the answer. He will save you. He will save you. And you have hope. You have eternal life. You have heaven to look forward to. And you'll be able to see your loved ones again one day. You'll be able to celebrate with them and see Jesus face to face and it, it's just amazing that they can actually walk away and turn down Jesus Christ. I don't really understand it. I don't comprehend it. 
But I'll tell you this, and people have recorded. I, I, I heard some of it. I didn't read it. I didn't read it. Uh, but there, you know, there are different re uh, records of lost people, what they say at the death of their loved ones. You know, and it's really, it's really sad. But then the, the death, the things have been recorded by the death of those that know Jesus. When they talk about their loved ones and their, their loved ones dying, I mean, just think about they've been ushered into the presence of God. They're walking those streets of gold. There's no more pain. They're not going to have any more pain. They're not going to have to pay any more taxes. I mean, it's just, it's just so wonderful, all the things. And, and people that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a hope. We do have hope. We have hope in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. A wise man once said that if Jesus Christ was still in the grave, nothing else matters. But if Jesus Christ has risen, that's really all that matters. And that's really true. That's all that matters. I mean, there's, you know, you can debate and argue over all kind of doctrines and all kind of issues and all kind of things. But I'll tell you, if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's really what matters. He is risen. Amen. Thank you. Well, Albert Einstein, brilliant man. And it was recorded that he was on a train back in the day when people traveled on trains. He was on a train. And at this point in his life, he had become a little absent-minded. So he's there on the train, seated, you know, bouncing and, and all. And the conductor came by and he wanted to see his ticket. We're going to punch his ticket. And so Einstein was feeling around. He, he couldn't find his ticket. And, and the conductor said, that's okay. I know who you are and I know you bought a ticket. It's okay. And uh, it's fine. So he went on to the next person and he's getting their ticket and he's punching their ticket. And he went down a couple more and he looked over his shoulder and there's Einstein on the floor and he's feeling around. He's looking for his ticket. And the conductor went back and said, I I've already told you, I know who you are. I know you bought a ticket. It's okay. Don't worry about it. He said, Einstein said, well, I, I know who I am, but I need to know where I'm going. <laughs> That's the question. Do you know where you're going? See, I believe the Bible is very clear. In the last two weeks, we've looked at scriptures. You can know that you have eternal life. And that's the question. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Folks, if Christ had not been raised, we're wasting our time. But because he has been raised, because he has defeated death, and he had victory over that tomb, you and I have every reason to rejoice and be excited and be thankful and look forward to the day that we'll see our loved ones in the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be wonderful. That's what this is all about. 
That's, that's why it's so obnoxious to try to intermingle the worldly approach to Easter and Christmas when you're talking about something so powerful that's scripturally true that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. He was, listen, I've, this week I've looked at uh, the, the, the Roman scourging. I mean, it is, you couldn't even show it in, the, in this group. I mean, it was a, the medical and this medical account, and we, you've all read it, I'm sure. But it, I mean, it's so descriptive. You couldn't, you'd have to be careful of showing it to little children, because this is what the Lord Jesus went through for us to pay for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins, and we just kind of goof around and and play church. Listen, it's time to do business with God. It's time to be serious with God. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was placed in that grave and he was raised the third day victorious over death and, and hell in the grave. And we ought to celebrate. We ought to be excited. We ought to be grateful. We ought to be thankful because we know if you know him, you know where you're going. And you know where your loved ones that know him, where they are. And folks, it's not going to be but a blink of the eye and you're going to be with them. Rejoice. Be grateful. Let's celebrate. Let's be grateful to God for all that he's done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of God, for the confidence that we can have in your word. And it does take faith. It's all about faith. It's believing what we're reading. It's believing that it's a completely perfect book with no, nothing wrong in it, no flaws. We just thank you that you have provided everything we'll ever need for life. You, you've given us words from the scripture to encourage us. You've given us words to know you by. We, you've encouraged us about heaven. You've warned us about hell. And I pray today that you would just do a great work in our church's heart and life, that we would leave here today inspired, excited, thankful for what Jesus has done on Calvary, that we would be a people that there would be a thankful people, a grateful people, and we'd recognize the importance of loving each other the way you love us. We just praise you, Father. Thank you for this day. And I pray for anyone that's in the sound of my voice or even in this building today that's never been saved. They don't know where they're going, but today would be a wonderful day for them to find out that they could place their faith in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that today they'd be saved. They would place their faith in Him and they would trust Him to be their Lord and Savior. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us the way you do. We're so grateful, so thankful. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.